welcome to episode three of Amber and Amulets. In this episode, I will be talking about gut feelings and their possible role with intuition and dreams from a scientific perspective. And because of that, I will not go so much into depth about folklore or magical aspects. And there are Nyric practices that one could use uh, that is possibly for another episode. This episode, I feel like it's going to be a little bit longer because I have a lot to cover. Uh, this is just my UPG, so my unverified personal gnosis, based on what I've read on the gut microbiome and the brain health, the subconscious, and how I thought about this information in context with dream and nightmare work. According to Dr. Siri Carpenter, the gut microbiome can influence neural development, brain chemistry, and a wide range of behavioral phenomena including emotional behavior, pain perception, and how the stress system responds. The human gut can be referred to as the second brain, since it's the only organ to boast its own independent nervous system, called the entric nervous system, an intricate network of 100 million neurons embedded in the gut wall. Research on gut bacteria affecting psychological well-being in humans is still being explored, but very exciting. Disclaimer, it is still unclear to science why we dream, and the gut-brain connection is still relatively new to research. This is my UPG on how gut feelings and intuition may play a role in dreams and nightmares based on the information I've read. Due to my beliefs, I do acknowledge that other forces may still play a role in premonitions and the like. I also believe that entities, spirit guides, ancestral spirits, etc. are able to enter your dreams for any reason. However, that is a conversation for another time. This episode will primarily focus on exploring dreams and intuitions in a more scientific lens because I think it's quite interesting and I just kind of want to share it with y'all. See what you think. If you want to learn more about any of the topics here, I encourage you to do research on your own time. I also implore you to use discernment. Be mindful of the sources you read and the biases they may hold. That includes this podcast episode. Just some quick vocab before we begin. Subconscious means part of the mind that one is not completely aware of. It can influence feelings and actions. Unconscious means that you're not awake or conscious. And the reason why I wanted to distinguish the two is because sometimes um, people use these terms interchangeably when they are in reality different. Cognitive, relating to cognition. The mental action or process of acquiring knowledge and understanding through thought, experience, and the senses. Alrighty, let's move into it. So first off, some background about gut feelings. Gut feelings, what are they? You may have heard the saying, trust your gut or follow your instinct, but do you know where those feelings and instincts may originate? Sometimes people call this intuition, the ability to understand something immediately without the need for conscious reasoning, and it's true to the individual. Unfortunately, intuition is often ridiculed if it is used to make a decision, since there is typically no logic, data, or hard facts to support the decision. Why do people still trust these gut feelings? There are a few theories where these feelings come from, purely from a scientific standpoint for now. Number one, neurotransmitters. Neurotransmitters are a chemical signal sent from one brain cell, called a neuron, to another, and a part of the brain-gut connection. It is quite possible the gut microbiome could affect the mind. According to Dr. Siri Carpenter's American Psychological Association paper, about 95% of your body's serotonin is produced in the gut, 
which then influences emotion and mood. Serotonin is a type of neurotransmitter. When I'm hangry, hungry and angry at the same time, and then eat food, my mood instantly gets better. When high serotonin levels are produced due to an external cause, it may make you feel safe or in danger depending on the situation, such as getting lost in an area you haven't been before. This can be translated to an instinctual fear or feeling that you shouldn't be where you are. Number two, brain processing. But this theory is focusing on the information from our real life experiences that we are consciously aware of or subconsciously aware of even, so direct or indirect. Our past experiences and knowledge also help us to prepare for a multitude of situations. For example, you see an email from an unknown email address or an email address different from the legitimate companies, and you have a feeling not to open it because of hearing some of your friends or family being scammed in this way. In other words, using discernment. Number three, emotional awareness. There is a part of our brain called the amygdala, which people call the emotional brain, since its function is to regulate our emotions and store memories. A study led by psychologist Dr. Pegna discovered that the amygdala processes information two-tenths of a second, and it takes three-tenths of a second for us to become aware of what we see. So, there is a feeling that we can get from a stimulus that our brain processes before we are consciously aware of it. A lot of stimuli from daily activities about our environment gets processed subconsciously, meaning you aren't fully aware of what you see, hear, or even touch and interact with in your surroundings, but your brain picks up on those details while your primary focus is elsewhere. For example, do you feel your clothes right now? Probably not, but now that I brought attention to it, you might. That's an example of your brain canceling out that feeling of clothes on your body because it doesn't need to be aware of it because it's just an extra bit of information that might overstimulate your mind. For my UPG, this could explain why when you're thrift shopping, you get a weird feeling from either the store or object slash area and you can't explain why, or you are talking to a stranger and know something is off but can't explain why as well. And I just want to clarify that this is different from fear or any preconceived cognitive bias you may have towards the way somebody looks, which we will be going into shortly. In summary, gut feelings are the internal impetus that makes you feel, behave, or react in some way due to an external cause. Trusting your gut feeling may seem illogical to some individuals, but it always feels so right when you trust yourself and listen to that instinct. Gut feelings are not produced out of thin air. They are connected to your brain and help you make decisions. These can be explained by gut bacteria helping to produce neurotransmitters such as serotonin, glutamate, GABA, serotonin, and dopamine. There are emotional and other sensory experiences that your brain processes in the everyday. And the amygdala emotional brain could play a role as well since it processes information faster than we are consciously aware of them. Even though your gut feelings may be reliable since they seem to be rooted in emotions and environmental processing and observations, they serve a purpose and I do not recommend relying heavily on these feelings. Think through situations to filter out if what you're feeling is necessary slash appropriate, assess risks and benefits, and be aware of your biases. Not the K-pop kind, if you know you know. With that, let's move into cognitive bias.
Cognitive bias. So it is important to keep in mind that everybody has their own cognitive bias when it comes to intuition. Cognitive bias is a systematic pattern of deviation from the norm or rationality in judgment. Individuals create their own subjective reality from their perception of the input. Biases affect our memory for people, events, and information. Affect how we perceive certain events and people. There are biases that we use when we have too little information and need to fill the gaps. And there are biases that affect how we make decisions. According to research done by Alicia Norkia, PhD, a postdoctoral research fellow in the Department of Psychology at the University of Cape Town, South Africa, when considering the term cognitive biases, it's important to note that there is overlap between cognitive biases and heuretics. Sometimes these two terms are used interchangeably, as though they are synonyms, however, their relationship is nuanced. Heuretics, which is based on a Greek word meaning to find or discover, there are the strategies derived from previous experiences with similar problems, such as a trial and error, a rule of thumb, or an educated guess. Oftentimes, these shortcuts are not optimal and are often imperfect, but satisfactory and adequate enough to find a solution in the moment to lighten the load of a cognitive decision-making. There are over 180 known cognitive biases, but to keep things concise, there are four main common biases according to Dr. Norkia. Number one, confirmation bias. This bias is based on looking for or overvaluing information that confirms our beliefs or expectations. For example, a police officer, officer who is looking for physical signs of lying might mistakenly classify other behaviors as evidence of lying. Number two, gambler's fallacy. This false belief describes our tendency to believe that something will happen because it hasn't happened yet. For example, when betting on a roulette table, if previous outcomes have landed on red, then we might mistakenly assume that the next outcome will be black. However, these events are independent of each other, i.e. the probability of their results do not affect each other. Number three, gender bias. Gender bias describes our tendency to assign specific behavior and characteristics to a particular gender without supporting evidence. These following examples from papers written in 1997, 2004, and 2018 focus on the binary, male and female. So, for example, complaints of pain are taken more seriously when made by male rather than female patients. Women are perceived as better caregivers than men. Specific clinical syndromes are more readily diagnosed in women than in men. And students often rate female lecturers lower than male lecturers. Number four, group attribution error. This error describes our tendency to overgeneralize how a group of people will behave based on an interaction only with one person from that group. For example, a negative experience with someone from a different group, e.g. a different culture, gender, religion, political party, etc., might make us say that all members of that group share the same negative characteristics. Group attribution error forms part of the explanation for prejudice and social psychology. Again, there are over 180 known cognitive biases, so for more information, please check out the Cognitive Bias Codex created by John Manguian, Manoguian, Manogian, the third, sorry, John, 
and Buster Benson. This codex is a useful tool for visually representing all of the known biases that exist to date. The link is going to be located in the show notes. Let's move into how it may relate to dreams. Alrighty, so how does the gut microbiome, the gut-brain connection, intuition, and the subconscious relate to dreams? Well, dreams are quite complicated. Some people think that they are the subconscious mind trying to work out a problem, reveal unfinished business, or just nonsense jumbled together. And it probably is. Some people even ask specific questions they are trying to solve or work through before going to sleep to have their dreams guide them or show them a path to answer to solve that issue. It is possible the brain can use subconscious information or gut feelings taken from throughout the day to create a dream, exposing how one truly feels about something or someone within that dream. I personally believe dreams are a combination of all the above, and it takes practice to learn and discern what is filler and what is meaning, especially if you remember most of your dreams. I believe science and magic are two sides of the same coin. I also believe dreams have, can have premonitions embedded within them, or the full dream itself is a premonition. I believe dreams are when individuals are also most susceptible to attacks, either by other individuals or entities on this plane, even things greater than ourselves. Dreams also provide opportunities to communicate with our spirit guide or guides, higher self, ancestors no longer in this realm of existence, dreams aid in astral travel, shape-shifting, and more. However, again, just a reminder, we will be going into the more scientific lens in this episode, and if you would like a magical viewpoint, or I guess my viewpoint on um, dreaming, let me know by sending in a comment on the website. And with that, let's move on to dream interpretation. Dream interpretation. Dreams tell you what you know, what you feel about something. For the most part, a dream has fluff, meaning you have to sort through what actually means something and what is filler. Dream interpretation allows for one to think about their dream and find relevant images, symbols, or meaning from key elements of the dream that invokes a strong response to you. Since dreams are unique to the individual, they are subjective, meaning that symbols to one person can mean something different to another. Like one person can view snakes uh, as beings of evil, uh, pain, and suffering, and the other can see them as a symbol of rebirth or starting over due to their ability to shed skin. Or someone may fear something that another doesn't, and so on. So, to do dream interpretation, you need to ask yourself questions like, what is my dream trying to tell me? Are there any metaphors or symbols? What could have caused the dream? Does it usually mean something, or is it because I watched a zombie movie last night? For example, it is thought that if you were to dream that a friend is having a difficult time, check the physical world first, the mundane. So reach out to that friend and ask if they're okay. If they are, and are being truthful, then dive into questions like, am I worried about something happening to someone I care about, or am I the one going through a difficult time and need comforting? If you have a dream about something that you believe is symbolic, I suggest writing it down, and I suggest writing down everything you remembered and doing some research about that symbol or symbols. Some books I suggest using to get you started are 
The Book of Symbol, Reflections on Archetypal Images by publisher Tashin, and A Dictionary of Symbols by Juan Eduardo Cerlo. Aside from what I just mentioned, dreams and nightmares can hold a lot more than just symbolism or answering a question. Entities, spirit guides, ancestral spirits, messages from deities, etc. are able to enter your dreams for any reason. With dreams, and even with nightmares, there are moments of clarity and moments of fogginess within themselves, and it is up to you to discern, dissect, and pull out those important bits and ruminate on what may be going on in, around, and to you. How you do this is based on your collected knowledge, your experience, your upbringing, and relationships you have with those symbols, animals, and other spirits. Culture and experience matter. When taking into consideration dreams and how dreams are interpreted with a culture or one's own personal experience, aside from the scientific musing, dreams become a lot more nuanced than they already are. In Mexico, I know that there are quite a bit of different forms of dream knowledge. Every culture has their own unique yet similar way of interpreting dreams. These methods and knowledge was passed down on generation to generation through stories, teaching, songs, and more. Omens, superstitions, and symbols are also a part of cultural folklore, meaning lore of the people. Depending on your dream and what your dream contains, whether it be a situation or a recurring symbol, think about what that means to you and your culture or personal experiences with their meanings. Again, depending on your culture and heritage, some dreams can be prophetic or hold premonitions of some sort. So I encourage you to explore, embrace, reconnect with your roots with respect and healthy curiosity. Keep in mind that DNA does not equal culture. Think about culture as how you grew up, what you were taught, what was passed down, and what is practiced today in a similar community. According to Liz Estrella Islas Salengas, dreams in the practice of traditional healers of the Totonacos their indigenous conception of dreams is that when we dream, we encounter an otherworldly space, not tied to our physical world, where we can interact with other spirits. This concept is something my family believes in, and a belief I have been brought up with. I don't believe this happens every time I dream, just for some dreams. This is also a common conception too within the witchcraft community. I once had a dream around Dia de los Muertos, which is Day of the Dead, and uh, I remember that I dreamt that my deceased aunt and uncle and other people were bringing food for a holiday family event at someone's house. And my uncle was like, you must have apple pie. So I uh, put an apple pie for him on my ofrenda. Um, so it's a little altar that you put out for Dia de los Muertos. I remember calling my parents the next day and telling them what happened in my dream. And they also put an apple pie out on their ofrenda for my uncle. I also have many dreams of visiting my deceased relatives around Dia de los Muertos and around October, September timeframe and just saying hi to them. I've also had some weird experiences as well, but I do a lot of dream work, y'all. <laughs> it comes with the territory. Do you have a hard time remembering your dreams or do you want to practice some dream work on your own? I suggest keeping a dream journal. When keeping a dream journal, you will need a journal, 
a pen, or a pencil. To help you remember your dreams, it is recommended to keep a dream journal. Keep both the journal and writing utensil at your bedside so you can jot down your dreams right after waking. Before you go to sleep, think to yourself, when I wake up, I will remember my dreams. I recommend saying that to yourself repeatedly until you feel that it has set. This may help you remember to write down what you dreamt or help you dream more vividly. It is common to have multiple dreams at night. And if you are just beginning to keep a dream journal, try remembering just bits and pieces of the dream. This will help with dream recall and it will get easier the more you practice. When you wake up, immediately think about and replay the dream you just had, even if it is just a snippet of what happened near the end, because that may start a chain of thought to reveal what occurred before then, and before then, and so on. Keep repeating it in your mind. Grab your journal and begin writing what you remember. Don't worry too much about the details. Just write. To briefly touch on the magical aspect of dreaming, I just want to remind you that it is important to protect yourself energetically before you go to sleep. This can be done through herbs, energy work, or setting protective intentions when getting ready for the evening because of possible risks involved in dreaming and nightmare work regarding unwanted entities, energies, and anything else that may enter that is not your higher self or your highest good. Some plant spirits that aid in dreaming, astral travel, and prophecy work are mugwort, lavender, chamomile, hops, rosemary, spearmint, peppermint, passionflower, mullein, clary sage, valerian root, lemongrass, lemon balm, lemon verbena, blue lotus, yarrow, kava kava, butterfly pea flower, cloves, and star anise. Tying in the gut microbiome back to dreaming, I know some bitches who do consume some of the plants above in a tea cocktail, so a combination of herbs and spices, before bed with the intent of protection, lucid dreaming, astral travel, etc. Uh, those bitches be me. <laughs> before consuming anything, always research if it is safe to consume for your body and if it is safe to consume at all. I personally love butterfly pea flower because it's just so fun, especially if you add honey and lemon to your tea. The acid for the lemon actually turns the blue water that the flower creates purple. So it's so stunning. Here are a few tips to help you get started on your research. Number one, go to your public library and check out books on dreaming. Don't know where to start? Ask the librarian and they can help answer any questions you have. Number two, don't have a local library close to you? Do some research on the internet. There are great public medical journal websites out there such as the NIH National Library of Medicine, so the ncbi.nlm.nih.gov and jstor at jstor.org and there are many others as well. Number three, talk to your friends and family. You'd be surprised at the stories they tell, what dreams they remember, and oftentimes discussing dreams can open doors to multiple types of conversations, and usually it's a wonderful conversation starter to boost. This is a great way to learn and understand people's experiences and dreams and their interpretations, especially if they're close to you. Um, sometimes if you feel comfortable, start talking about it with a stranger, but hey, <laughs> it's completely up to you. Talking about it with family also may open some interesting discussions to familial beliefs as well. Alrighty, so that concludes this episode. 
Thank you all so much for listening. I hope this got you thinking about dreams and intuition in a different way than you have before. And I had so much fun putting this episode together. If you like a transcript of and sources used in this episode, please visit the Amber and Amulets website at A-M-B-E-R-A-N-D-A-M-U-L-E-T-S dot com. I hope this episode encourages you to incorporate dream and nightmare magic in your practice, research cognitive biases and recognize any you may have, and think about your own experiences with symbols to apply meaning to them. If you have any suggestions on what you would like me to discuss in future episodes, go to the Amber and Amulets website, click the About tab, and go to the Story Submission slash Contact section. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and remember, there's magic in the everyday. Music